Hello everyone, welcome to episode 2 of the Nesby Region 3 Powerhouse Podcast. Today our guest is Katherine Johnson. She is the chair of the Nesby Professionals Chapter of Atlanta, Georgia. And today our topic will be about being a woman in the engineering workforce and in Nesby. Ms. Johnson will talk about her experiences of being a a black woman and Nesby and being a black woman in college and in her professional workforce. Okay, Ms. Johnson, uh, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm currently a traffic engineer. However, I did not go to school for traffic engineering. I actually began my journey at the University of Georgia and I started off as an agricultural engineering major with an emphasis in structural systems. So by being an agricultural engineering major, that gave me a broad variety of different types of engineering. So I took classes such as circuits. I did uh, steel design, lots of structural classes, but I also did things like food mechanics, uh, sustainable building design, and a lot of various courses to give me a well-rounded education. I got an opportunity to complete my master's at the University of Georgia as well, in which I did sort of materials for my master's, so in that civil engineering category. I did a project with the Georgia Department of Transportation, and I was more so like a road doctor. So just like you would go to the doctor to get a sample of blood to run tests on it, I could take a sample of the road, take it to my lab, and run tests on it to say this road is sick, and this is what we need to do to fix it. After I completed my master's and I was on my job search, I was looking and a lot of the places that I interviewed didn't have a, a pretty good vibe for me. And I actually got an opportunity through a NSB member, a connect that I had made, a career fair to interview for the current company that I'm with. And uh, whenever I came, I found that the area was very diverse. And I was honest with them and said, hey, um, I don't have any background in traffic engineering at all but I'm interested to learn, and I want to try something new. And they took my word for it, and actually let me in. And um, ever since, I've been learning so much about traffic. It's so interesting to me. And I've really just been excelling in my career thus far. And I've been here almost two years. Wow. Interesting. So tell us. How did you get involved in the world of engineering? Was it in elementary school, high school, middle school? I remember, I actually didn't know that I was going to be an engineer at all. I was I started off in the fourth grade. They had a presentation where they showed everybody different types of careers. And the first one that they had was an astronaut. And I was like, oh, okay, space is cool. The second one was an architect. And they said, this is somebody that likes math and science, and they like to design things. And as they went through the, the list of all the other different careers, I said, oh, okay, well, architecture sounds like the best for me. However, they didn't have engineering on that list. And I probably may have gone through that, that area seeing that I wanted to be an engineer. But I didn't. I wanted to be an architect. So up to the 12th grade, I was thinking, okay, well, I'll just go to community college and I'll get my degree because my mom, uh, who is a mother of four children, a single mother, and that she would tell me, hey, if you're going to college, you have to do this on your own. I won't be able to assist you. 
school with my heart set on community college. I was looking around. I had applied to dozens of scholarships with no luck. And um, I was feeling a little gloomy about that, but I was still interested to get my education. Now, University of Georgia came into the picture where for one of my classes, our assignment was to fill out those admission forms for UGA. And I thought, oh, well, you know what? I'll go ahead and do it. Um, it's just $75. And by a stroke of luck, they actually accepted me and said, hey, you can do this. So I got accepted, and uh, this was the only school that I applied to. And I was like, hmm, now this is interesting. I should probably think about going here, but I didn't have a scholarship. So tell me why. The last month before I graduate, I got a scholarship that would be able to cover my room and board. And I was like, okay, I'm going. Now, fast forward to orientation. I'm here. I said, okay, I've accepted. I'm going to meet the University of Georgia, and I'm going to start landscape architecture. However, however, I didn't know that landscape architecture was being an architect of the landscape. I didn't know that you would be, uh, you know, doing shrubbery and trees and things like that. So whenever I found that out, I was... I was so scared. I was terrified. I said, I, I applied for the wrong major. I'm at the wrong college. This place doesn't even have real architecture. So I'm going through one of the career fairs, and I'm looking to say, okay, well, uh, let me make a life decision. What should I do? And I was telling my story to one of the professors, and he was a gentleman that wasn't very good at English. And he said, oh, yeah, 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 we have that. And I was like, you mean you have architecture? And he was like, yeah, yeah, we have that. And that day, I signed my life away to the agricultural engineering program with an emphasis in structural systems. And after that, I just kept pushing forward and moved through to it. Now, uh, that was a long segue to answer your question, but I started in uh, 2010, and I had noticed that in my classes, I had about 100 students start off in my freshman class, and I would say at the end of that freshman semester, there's about 20, 15 of them left. Most of them had dropped out due to one reason or another, so I embarked on the mission of being the only black person in my class, being the only woman in my class, and I noticed that it was rather difficult. and. I had friends that were black, but they weren't engineers. They didn't understand that I couldn't go out partying every single night or that I had to study very frequently. And I had friends that were engineers that weren't black. So it was it was a pretty much a disconnect for me. And whenever I found out about the National Society of Black Engineers, who uh, we had just chartered in 2012, I joined shortly after they were chartered. When one of the members had said, hey, you know, come and be part of this, of this organization. I'd always like to be involved. So whenever I heard of them, I just jumped full force into it, said, what can I do to help? Right. And when that happens, even if you do choose the wrong major, I still suggest that you finish and get that degree. Now, I'll go ahead and put in a plug. I strongly suggest that anybody who is considering their life choices as far as choosing a major, go for engineering because it gives you the power, the tools, and the capability to jump to a different field if you so desire. Had I been a different major, it would have been hard for me to make such a career jump like I did whenever I finished my education.
And I think that engineering opens up a lot of pathways and a lot of opportunities that may not be available otherwise. Thank you for sharing that story. I really applaud you. A lot of people experience that in life. They go to school and major in a degree that they think is suitable for them. But once they graduate and start working in the in their career field, they realize that maybe this degree was not the best for them. So they wish they went back to school and major in another degree. Yeah. Again, thank you for sharing that. Do you have any stories or uh, stories of hardships that you encountered when you were in college? Of course. So there was one day, um, I remember that I was in my residential building class and I had always wanted to take it because I was wanted to build my own house one day. And in the class, there were about seven or eight people. It was a higher specialized class, so around senior level. And um, it was all men, so I was the only woman, and then I was the only person who was black in the class. Um, and there was another student who was um, Hispanic with me, and we had both sort of studied together and worked really hard. However, we noticed that we were getting, you know, high C's and low B's while everybody else was getting A's in the class. And, and I expressed my frustration to him saying, you know, we sit in the front of the class. We always pay attention. Whereas these people, I've seen them skip classes. I've seen them fall asleep during classes and they're getting A's. To which he told me, uh, well, you know, those guys, not only do they have test banks from their fraternities, but they have, uh, they have uncles, they have fathers, they have connections to people who work in these fields. You know, they come from a legacy of engineers, from contractors, from construction workers, and all they have to do is just make a quick phone call and they can get the answers that they need while, you know, we're struggling. You were saying, you know, I come from a single mom, uh, parenthood, and we're both uh, sort of first-generation graduates, but we didn't have that support system, and it was very much a struggle. And that was one of the more eye-opening resources that, some people have legacies that they come from, and it's a little bit harder to build one whenever you don't have a specific support system. However, like I always do, I continue to increase my relationship with the instructor. I made sure to go to his office hours. Um, he knew me well and let him know that I was actively working, that I wasn't giving up, and that I wasn't feeling or I wasn't going to be upset or that I was upset, even though the stakes of the odds were sort of piled against me, I just continued to work regardless of the situations that I was pressed against so that I could get the grades, so that I can get the knowledge that I needed to succeed in that class. Those are some very nice words of wisdom that you just shared. You know, Catherine, based on what you're telling me, you know, I can tell that you've been through a lot, especially as a as a black woman and in Nesby and in the career of engineering, you know, you're very wise, you're very smart. And it's nice that you are taking the time out of your day to share your experiences with our listeners. Thank you, Herve. Um, if it's possible, I'd like to tell you a story of some of my failures so that I could just pull this, pull this encouragement into some of the younger uh, listeners that may be tuned in. 
I'd like to tell you guys a story of the first class that I failed. And yes, I have a master's degree and I have failed classes before. This was in high school in the 10th grade and I was taking Algebra 2. Now, I tried as hard as I could and I will admit there was some procrastination in there, but my grades did not meet what they were supposed to be and I ended up getting a 68 in the class, just two points away from a B to pass. And it was a it was a really big blow to me because number one, I had failed a class. That was a hit to my GPA. And number two, how could I say that I wanted to be an architect? How could I say that I liked math when I was failing this class? Now of course I didn't give up on math completely. I didn't say that, you know, I can't do math. Let me get out of this advanced class and drop to a lower one because, you know, I failed, and that's I'm, that's it. Like, I'm just going to quit. What I did was I took that remedial class, and I really took that opportunity to learn. Now, I would say it might have been the teacher. I know a lot of, a lot of people love to blame the teacher. But I'll tell you guys, in that class that I got a 68, whenever I took the remedial class or the follow-up class, I ended up getting a 94. The class was very simple, and... It may have been in part to the fact that I failed. I just knew that I had to come back even stronger with that class to, to almost prove to myself that I could make that. I could come back with those grades because I am intelligent and I am smart. That's the first story in high school. Now I'll go ahead and hit you guys with another story of me um, in college. Now, in the state of Georgia, we have a scholarship called the Hope Scholarship. So uh, at the time, if a student had a GPA average of 3.0, they would be able to have their tuition paid uh, from the state. They would just have to pay um, sort of the other fees that came along with being a student. But this is one of the main ways that students are able to, to achieve and to attend college. Now, uh, freshman year was okay, but in my sophomore year, I had taken – way too many classes, some of them being very hard, uh, one of them being called statics, which is a combination of physics and multivariable calculus. That was a biology class that was known for failing people, and I didn't, I didn't achieve the results that I needed to, and I ended up getting Ds in both statics and in biology. And in my engineering curriculum, I needed a C or better to pass the class. So I had two classes, and my GPA dropped below a 3.0. I believe that it dropped down to a 2.8. And with that, I did not meet the requirements for the whole scholarship, and I lost the scholarship. Now, that was a pretty low time in my life because, number one, I had failed classes um, that I had not I just, I wouldn't say I failed the classes, but I didn't perform as I should have in those classes. And then number two, what was I going to do? The main source of, of my tuition was gone. And um, I would tell you guys, I never got it back. So I didn't notice this until after I had completed my degree, but I threw myself a pity party, and then I picked myself back up. One of the things that never came into my in my in my mind was quitting. I never thought to drop out. I just said, okay, you know what? This sucks. 
But now I'm taking summer classes. I'm going to get some of those subsidized loans that I haven't touched. And essentially, I made way. I made a way for myself to still succeed, even though I had had those failures. I said, okay, these are still setbacks, but here's the next step. I did wallow in my misery for maybe a good uh, two or three days, but I didn't have time to quit. I didn't have time to to say, you know what, just throw the whole major away. I'm not cut out to be an engineer. I kept moving forward, and I implore you, whoever's listening, to keep moving forward as they go through. Sometimes you don't even know what the answer is. Sometimes you may get discouraged or wonder, why am I waking up every day to go to a class that I don't even like? It's part of a bigger picture, and I implore you to keep working hard as you find out what that picture is for you. There's a light at the end of every tunnel. You know, our listeners uh, should understand that they should never give up. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going, especially in the world of engineering. Catherine, it seems that you overcame many obstacles to be where you are today. That's very admirable. Thank you, Herve. And to those students that are, that are out there, I want to let you know that you do not have to be smart to be an engineer. And I'll repeat that. You do not have to be smart or a genius or an extraordinaire. You don't have to be the best at what you do. You just need to work hard. And it has to be consistent effort that you're putting in. Yes. And, you know, a lot of our listeners, especially our listeners who are in college, they have the mentality that, um, you know, it's wrong to ask for help. Asking for help makes them look weak, makes them um, feel ignorant. When in reality, that's not the case. We were all put on this earth for a reason. And one of the main reasons is to help each other. We should all help each other succeed. We're not in this alone, especially being minorities in engineering. We need all the help that we can get. That's true. And if anybody is wondering how to finesse their way through, number one, don't cheat. Number two, you have to realize how to utilize your resources. So one of the things that I did um, whenever I had the opportunity was I would find the smartest person in the class, and then I would say, hey, let's study together. Now, whenever I say let's study together, all I need is their brains. It's on you to coordinate everything else. So I would coordinate the time, I would coordinate the place, and I would even have an agenda of what I needed to study. Because, you know, the smart person, the smarter person in the class, they don't really need to be there. You know, they'll probably ace the test anyway. It's on you to be able to study with them and to ask them those smart questions. And then after you learn from the smart person, in order to get that A, you have to teach it to somebody else. So I'll just say it again. First, you find the smartest person in the class and you study with them to really learn that material, and then you teach it to somebody else. That's how you manage, that's how you, that's how you master the information, and that's how you get the grade. One thing that our listeners should keep in mind 
is that they should not waste other people's time and they should always be kind towards others they never know who that person will be in the future who knows that person might be the one giving them a job in the future or that person may help them out again in the future they never know and Herbe has a great point, but the main thing, do not be a leech. Do not be that person that just takes away from the people that you're studying with. You have to be able to give something. Whether or not um, it's better, like keeping people on task, keeping people in check, um, whether or not it's making them feel good, you know, saying, hey, I really appreciate you for coming out and studying with me. I feel like I understand the information so much more. Or whether or not it's saying, hey, I know that, you know, you're really good in this engineering class, uh, but you're experiencing a little bit of trouble in language arts or your history class. Let me help you out. Just be sure to add value to the other person. Don't take it. Don't solely take away from them. When asking for help, people should always strive to leave good impressions and leave lasting impressions. If you leave a bad impression, then most likely the person that you asked for help the first time would not help you again the second time. Or make an excuse on why they can't help you because they're too nice to say no. But just keep that in mind. So tell us, Catherine, um, tell us about your experience as a black woman in the engineering or professional career. What hardships have you faced as a black woman in engineering or, or what are things have you, uh, that you noticed and you know anything else that you would like to share with us okay well i'll let you guys know that i'm still an entry-level engineer meaning that i have uh, zero to five years of experience uh, it is now december and next month in january i will have two years of experience and i will say that my challenges are establishing yourself and proving your abilities. And I know this is talked about a lot, but it is something that I've seen commonly. And that is sort of the comparison to men. Men come into these, come into these positions with attributes that are already expected in them, whereas women have to learn or they have to prove themselves more. So one of the things is uh, leader versus follower. So men are often seen as natural-born leaders, whereas we've heard of the stigma of women who try to be leaders. The main challenges about being a woman engineer in the workforce is that you have to gain and earn attributes that are already expected in men. So, for example, men are seen as natural-born leaders, whereas women are seen as followers. So to do that, you need to assert yourself in a practical way so as not to be seen as bossy. You need to use different words as men. Another thing is the integrity. Being honest and having moral principles is something that's given to men, whereas women are seen as the partakers of the gossip, even though we know that's not true. But the last thing is our skill set. For two people, a man and a woman, that enter into the workplace with the same amount of knowledge, women are often given easier tasks or more no guidance along the way as if we're not able to go through with things. You often hear yourself or you often hear people saying things like, wow, you know a lot about this subject. 
Yes, and I've also seen that in the professional workforce. However, I have to say, in this day and age, or rather ever since um, the 1900s and um, yeah, even early 2000s, you know, uh, there's been a push in which uh, women are seen on the same level as men in the professional world. And um, that is really good. That's really great. Because, um, you know, women, women tend to see things in another way than men. And, you know, they think differently. They process things differently, which can really help a business. So, um, it's really nice to see that women are being, are, women are being seen on the same level as men and they are rising to the top, um, as CEOs, executive directors, um, uh, CTOs, CIOs, and things of that nature. Right. However, I would like to state that in most of our media, the companies that we see are private companies. And when I say private, I make reference to not being public. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a private company could be something such as Google or Microsoft, or a public company could be something such as uh, the federal government, the Department of Transportation. And I will say that you see these open-minded uh, activities and States in private companies because they have they have more of an innovative approach to their workplace, so that's where you'll see more of these uh, innovative ideas. However, in public sectors or in sectors that have a lot of dele not delegation, but maybe sort of paperwork, the this is how things are supposed to go. That sheer amount of documentation holds those notions in place that this is how people are supposed to act in a federal government, in a private sector, sorry, in a public sector, that they're supposed to carry themselves in these ways. And I see that in the public sector, which is less social because it is the public sector, that women find it harder to get above in those areas. Although we are making progress, there are still some areas that were stagnant. Thank you for sharing that, Catherine. Sometimes our young ladies go through college without any emotional support from their family and relatives, so they rely on their friends and peers to motivate them, to help them succeed, and um, help them become the best person that they can be in college. And uh, for the young ladies that are engineers, some of them are very intimidated by the number of men in their classroom, but they should understand that um, they should not be intimidated to the point where they cha where they change their major or you know or become discouraged. They are the change. They should be the change. Continue to be the change, and influence others to follow in their footsteps. Women can do the same thing that men can do. And, you know, it's all about willpower and desire. Right. And I'll say that it's okay to be intimidated. You can be in a class of 20 to 50 men. Know that not everybody will be against you. Just because somebody is a man, just because somebody doesn't look like you, doesn't mean that they won't be an advocate for you. However, 
we cannot read their minds. Therefore, if we don't put our put our first foot forward and say, like you mentioned earlier, that we need help, or say that we want to study together, then they'll never know. We need to put that foot forward. So if you had the ability to travel back in time with all of the knowledge that you have now, what would you change? If I travel back in time, then I've already got two degrees, right, without having to get them. So this is what <laughs> This is the smart response to what I would do. I would most likely take a career in computer science or software engineering, and I would possibly take another degree in electrical engineering. Having those same skill sets now, as I've gone through engineering courses, I'm a master at managing my time. I know myself enough to know the best ways that I can learn and I am empowered with the knowledge and with the spirit to know that I can learn almost anything and I can do it fast. So I would knock out as many degrees as I could. However, I would schedule it. So um, with my master's, I had to learn how to manage my time because during my master's, I was heavily involved with NSBE. I had a whole master's degree and had a whole relationship that I was mastering on top of that. So it really challenges you to work with your time. But knowing that, that I did now, I would take computer science, electrical engineering, and then maybe just a civil engineering degree for fun because I had a lot of fun, made a lot of good connections. However, I'm realizing that technology and computer science is a way of the future, and that is one of the best ways that you can move forward. With the technology or computer science degree, you can jump into any of the fields that you want because they're all needed in every field. You'll always need a software engineering uh, major in an accounting field because somebody has to crunch those numbers. If you want to do biomedical, come and analyze the biomedical data so that you can work in that. There's so many different ways that engineering can be applied, and computer science applies to the to most of them. Right now, I'm in a point of my life where Everything looks exciting and new and shiny, and I like giving myself the tools that I need so that I can enjoy all of those different aspects of engineering. I'd also uh, invest in stocks as well. Wow, that's a very bold statement right there. You know, as a... As a person with a computer science degree, I wholeheartedly agree. I truly agree to what you're saying. You know, technology is the future. Technology is always changing. And, you know, you just have to be prepared for it. Yeah. Also, um, it's always good to invest in stocks at an early age when you are able to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, how is it like being a woman in Nesby? What were your experiences of being a woman in the National Society of Black Engineers in your chapter? Now, I will say that I really like Nesby because not only does it bring people together, but I stand strongly for our mission, which is to increase the number of culturally responsible black engineers who excel academically, succeed professionally, and positively impact the community. Now, as Jorge mentioned before, Black women, and we'll start from the, from the zoomed out portion. I want you guys to think of what is the percentage of women engineers compared to men? 
Right now, it's about 13%. So about 13% of all engineers are women. And if you think of, of that percentage of women that are black and engineers, out of the entire population, women account to about 1% of that. So out of all the engineers in America, about 1% are black women. Now, being in Nesby allows me to connect with the other black women that are just like me. I will say, though, um, coming together, it is, it's a challenge. We have a big challenge on our hands to unite everybody and bring them together. Some people have a lot going on in their lives, and it's hard for them to budget time for Nesby, mostly because they don't see it as a priority. They don't see why it's so important that we invest our time and resources into the greater mission. So I will say that that is one of the biggest challenges of being in Nesby. However, seeing the smiles on people's faces, hearing people tell me how I was able to sort of change the directory or just improve their life keeps me going. Yeah, being a woman in an organization that is based on a male-dominated field, you know, that can be a bit intimidating. However, I've seen this multiple times, women in Nesby have always go above and beyond, and they have always done something great for their respective chapters. So, you know, it's nothing to be intimidated about, like, you know, Nesby is a wonderful organization that accepts anybody, uh, regardless regardless of gender. So, yeah. so, do you have any role models that you look up to? Any role models that are in the field of engineering? Yes, I do. Um, one of my biggest role models is actually involved in Nesby. Her name is Ms. Sonja Faber, and she is known quite heavily throughout. She has a very vivacious energy that is also very honest. She has invested into me and just reinforced that I need to believe in myself. I need to go after my goals. And she provides sessions at our Nesby conventions as well that help people, especially women, organize their life and understand that they need to know where they want to be in life before they can go and start achieving those goals. So she helps guide you through the step-by-step and with her personality, it's very refreshing to see. It's almost like having a life coach every time that you speak with her, every time that you interact with her. She has a great energy that she gives off. Now, I have another um, woman engineer, and that is my master's uh, professor. So whenever you're doing your bachelor's, you're just learning the information. You're getting to know uh, engineering. Whenever you do your master's, you're becoming a master at a subject matter. And whenever you do a doctorate, you're adding to that subject matter. So you're creating something entirely new. Now, for my master's, I had this great teacher um, and professor. Her name is Nugum Trezepa, Dr. Trezepa for short. And she is a ball of energy, one of the most hyperactive people that I've ever met. She's always joyous about everything. And as a, as a woman in civil engineering, which is heavily dominated by men, she was able to shine bright. She poured her energy into me every day and was my main motivational factor towards completing my master's. 
and I'm very thankful to her. That's really beautiful. You know, it's nice that you have um, somebody that you look up to and somebody who cares about your success and is greatly invested in you. Do you have any advice for our listeners in terms of finding role models that are suitable for them? Yes. I would say that if you're looking for a role model or even a mentor, know that this is something that requires work on your end. So a role model or a mentor is somebody that you have to make the first move. You have to say, hey, I'm interested in, in being your mentor. You have to set up the meetings. You have to be the one that continuously comes, you know, after them. Almost like uh, dating or fishing. Not sure if the two are mutually exclusive. But you need to show that you're interested in their time because uh, not, I don't want to say it bad, but you need them, and you need to show that you need them. Also, just know that role models don't have to be the biggest people. They don't have to be celebrities. They don't have to be millionaires. They can be simple people that you see every day, and you don't have to like everything about somebody for them to be a role model. You could like their energy but not like the topics that they that they stand on. You could like their topics but say, you know what, they don't really match with my personality. You can pick and choose things out of your role models to sort of uh, invest into yourself. So keep that in mind. Yes. If you want a relationship to work, you have to put in 100% you know, of your time, effort, um, faith, everything. If you want a relationship to truly work out and succeed, you know, you, you just have to put in your all and expect the other person to put in their all as well. So tell us, do you have any favorite um, role models from the history? I do. Um, my name is Katherine Johnson, so it's only natural that I would um, be inspired by Katherine Johnson, who is a scientist for NASA. So she had a very interesting career, and I actually found out about her early on. It's not every day that you find somebody that's kind of famous with your name. So I've known about her for a couple of years, and if you guys look up her picture and look up my picture, we look, we look, look kind of related, so... You know, she, I mean, we could be related a little bit. Her magic, you know, could rub off on me. But after seeing Hidden Figures and seeing um, some about the story, uh, for example, the things that she went through on a day-to-day -day basis that weren't covered in her biography, I was able to get more of an appreciation of the struggles that women go through and how she didn't lose her composure, how she kept moving forward in those situations. And the fact that she was very intelligent and still is a physicist and a mathematician, that is a dangerous combo in a good way, <laughs> definitely in a good way. And I admire her, her desire for knowledge and education. And even whenever tra tragedy struck, um, such as her husband passing away, she kept moving forward, and she kept moving towards her main mission. Well, Catherine, do you have any final words or words of advice to say to the listeners of the podcast? 
I do. And for our young members who are interested in pursuing engineering, please know that there are so many opportunities out there. There are so, so many. You have to research them because oftentimes they will not come to you. You have to find them, and then it's on you to go and pursue those. You have to be the one to put in that application. You have to be the one to tell your parents that you're interested in participating. Otherwise, it's very fun that these opportunities will come to you. So keep working hard so that whenever the opportunity arises, you'll be able to take that opportunity. The last thing is to not underestimate the power of planting seeds. Now, whenever I mention planting seeds, that's not in a literal sense, but in a figurative sense. Like Herbert said before, the people that you meet, those are planting seeds. Those relationships that you build early on can sprout further down the line. So it's important to always look at things such as an opportunity. Sometimes you'll have to turn down opportunities, but it's important not to sever those ties because you could always use them later. And I'll give an example. Uh, if you did an internship with a company and they are not the company for you, you will end up not working for them. Do not sever your ties. It's important to meet up with your supervisor six months later and say, hey, I just want to grab coffee and chat and just catch up because five to ten years down the line, that supervisor may have moved on with a different company, and they may have a different offer for you. Even if it's not with the same company, it can be in a different arena, but because they remember you and because you maintain that seed, you're able to bloom into a better opportunity. So please, please, please understand and invest in planting seeds for the future, for your future. Well, thank you, Catherine, for taking the time out of your day to interview for this podcast. And I hope everyone out there, especially the young ladies, I hope you all um, learn from this podcast. As as a woman in engineering and in Nesby, you know, nothing is impossible. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid of anything. Just go in there with a clear goal in mind and put forth your best effort. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening to this podcast and have a great day. Thanks, everybody.